Hello everyone, um, my name is Neil Kelders and this is my first ever podcast. So a little bit nervous, not sure what I'm doing and uh, I've labelled the podcast uh, Back on Track. I suppose, um, yeah, so I'm sitting here wondering what I'm doing, am I nervous? Can you understand me? Uh, for those of you wondering, I'm Irish, I'm from Ireland, I'm originally from a county called Kerry. Um, so there might be a, a twinge to my accent and uh, I'm living in Dublin, the, the capital. So I wanted to start a podcast for a long time and I didn't basically have the balls to do it. Um, you know, we doubt ourselves all the time, right? Well, you know, I do. Um, but podcast is the way to go and I want to get out there and I want to start doing things. So I said, just take action, just do it. That's what I'm doing. So thank you for joining me. Um, do I know what I'm doing? We will learn as we go along. Perfection is overrated, right? So currently why I wanted to start today is because I am very, very excited. I am about to launch incredibly soon my new online business, which is called RIP Movement. Yeah, RIP Movement. So it's refocus and inspire people's movement. And that's what I hope to do through podcasts, through my online work and various other outlets. Um, so with this podcast, what would be good is I'll be able to talk about certain areas, certain topics. But also, if you've got comments, if you've got things you would like to talk about, you contact me and, and uh, we can uh, explore those together. Maybe do interviews and stuff like that. How cool would that be? So I suppose for this one, maybe we'll take a look at who I am, introduce me. So it gives you a bit of insight into me. As I said, I'm from Ireland, um, uh, where all the crack happens as such. And uh, I wish that was so. So I'll, I'll give you a bit of uh, my background. Um, I'm 40 years of age. I will be 41 this year. Um, and like everybody else, I don't feel it. I don't think I'm that age. Maybe I'm not mature enough to be that age. Um, but I'm only finding myself now. I'm only um, starting to live, starting to live my life. So for, uh, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's go back and, you know, for a long time, I was very lost. I don't know if anybody can relate to this. I was, you know, very much alone, even though I was surrounded by a lot of people. Um, I didn't seem to get life. Everybody else did. I seem to have a constant battle every day with my head, my mind, uh, my body. What am I doing here? Here, you know, um, why can't uh, life be as easy for me as it was for everybody else? And that's the way I looked at it. I was broken, you know. And if I'm honest with you, and this is what I want to be, is I didn't want to live. Um, I think since I was 15 years of age, I thought about and uh, not being here anymore. It was too much. Yeah, a teenager, um, which is, well, looking back on it, which is quite scary. So for t over 21 years, I went through this all alone. Nobody knew. I was that funny. Well, I think funny anyway. I was outgoing. I seemed to have a lot of confidence. Uh, my good friends, I good family, a good network around me. I was sporty. Um, I was just seemed like your run of the mill teenager. Um, but inside, I was rotting. I was dying. I was 
lacking confidence. I was so insecure. I didn't want to be around. Um, and I just didn't seem to fit in. That's what I felt. Uh, on the, in 2014, the 14th of April, 2014, my life changed. For some reason, I spoke for the first time about where I was in my life and how I felt. I revealed to a family member that I didn't want to be here. I didn't enjoy life. I think I tried everything to get myself back on track, which I believed I did, but obviously I didn't because I never talked to anybody about my situation. And I just told that person that I don't want to be here and I can't do this anymore. And in a sense, that was the first time that I revealed the true me. I revealed, I took off my mask. I talked about my 21 year battle with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And that day, the 14th of April, 2014, I reached out for help. It was the first time in my life. And my life changed because I'm sitting here today speaking to you. That day, <clears throat> I, um, I called to my brother's house and my sister-in-law was there and she made me a great cup of coffee. Um, I'm actually half coffee now at the moment, but yeah, I, I love the, you know, the smell of coffee in the morning, having a cup of coffee. And as she's preparing it, I'm looking out into their back garden, they have double doors, looking out into the back garden. And like most families, they have the trampoline for the kids there, the goalposts, you know, loads of basketballs, footballs around the garden. And that garden, actually looking out there, that was um, a sanctuary for me. Playing with my nieces and nephews when I was going through dark times, when I went to play with them, I lost myself. I didn't have to be an adult and, and face up to my problems or my issues. It was my escapism. So as I'm looking out there on that uh, morning on the 14th of April with my sister-in-law making the coffee, I'm picturing me playing with my nieces and nephews, looking out to something that really brought me great joy. My nieces and nephews have brought me great joy since they came into my life. And I'm just standing there now knowing that I can't go on anymore. Um, so I'm sitting there chatting to my sister-in-law and I just blurt out, I can't do this anymore. And my sister-in-law doesn't understand, you know, what work or, you know, it's a bad day or, and I said, no, I can't keep going. I want to go. I want to die. I've always wanted to die. And the look on my sister's face is like, obviously complete shock because they knew nothing. This is like, I suppose, someone slamming her against a brick wall. It's just, it's just someone you care about is telling you that they don't want to be around anymore and you, and this person has been in your life for a long time and you knew nothing about it. Um, I tried to explain best and how I explained to my sister-in-law how I felt is, as I've told you, my niece and nephews, so, so important. We have a great relationship. We have great moments and memories. So how I explained to my sister-in-law was that I love those kids so much. 
I would do nothing ever to hurt them. Even though that if I take my life, I know that I will be hurting them. Even though if I take my life and I'm no longer here, they will never call, have to call me to tell me about a goal they scored or a dance routine they completed or an exam they did well in or give me a hug when I come through the door or be excited if I'm calling over to watch a football game or jump on top of me on the trampoline or text me or eventually never have to say my name again. And even though though I know I will hurt them very much and that I won't be there for birthdays or special occasions or their 21st when they you know reach that age or their or their weddings even though I know all of this and even though I know they probably will be angry at me as well I have to go the want the need to follow that light and not the light of life, the light of death is so, so strong. You don't realize it. You know you're going to be hurting people, but you just can't do this. You come to the point where you're exhausted. You make a decision and you're... It's probably the first time you make a decision that you believe in, you've confidence in, and it's your decision. The first time you feel like you've control. My sister-in-law was numb, obviously, you know. And the strange thing was, I felt so light, I felt so good. I had unmasked myself and taken like 21 plus years of this lost, lone, broken me and just let it pour out like it was just very strange feeling. Um, it was like the weight was gone, it was lifted. And then I was there, oh, that's why they say talk. I, I felt like I could go, wa I was walking on clouds. So I said to my sister, I'm going to go do a few bit of work or whatever. She said, no, 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 hang on, hang on. I said, no, no, I'll be grand. I'll, I'll go away and I'll come back. And the thing is, I'm, I'm the youngest in my family of three boys. And sometimes I wonder, am I ever taken seriously by my older brothers and things like that? We are, I suppose we all go through that. I didn't want my brother to know, but obviously my sister-in-law was going to tell him. But sometimes family aren't the best place people to, to tell because they want to direct you, especially if you're the youngest, they want to direct you. They mean so good that they want to physically direct you where to go, tell you what to do, guide you, and, and push you towards what should be done. When, in essence, that's not what you need. You need someone just to listen and to be there. It doesn't matter if that person doesn't know what to do, just to be there that you know someone is caring for you. So I went away for about 30 minutes, had to do a job, came back to my sister-in-law's house. And they have this big black door and in the middle of that door they have this kind of um, diamond uh, window in it. So when you ring the doorbell you can see someone coming towards you. So this black door I think represents my depression and looking through the window is maybe my hope. And as I rang the doorbell, who do I see coming towards me? My brother. He's left his work, left meetings, 
And this shows you how important family is. Nothing should get in the way of family. This is one of the biggest lessons I've learned. So he, he walks towards the door and I'm there. Oh shit, I don't need this. Here we go. He's going to tell me what to do, what to say, blah, 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 blah. And he opens the door. And uh, I can feel myself as I am now kind of becoming, the emotions are starting to build. And he doesn't open his mouth. He doesn't open his mouth. And he pulls me closer and he hugs me. He hugs me. Two grown men, and this is something I suppose, and if you think about it, how many of us hug each other anymore? Real hugs. It's the first time in a long time I got a hug, and he held me, and it's the first time in a long, long time that I felt safe. That I felt maybe something, maybe everything can be okay. And it reminded me of, of when I was younger and we used to go to church and you know as a kid you get tired of standing and your father will put you on, uh, hold you and you'll rest your head on his shoulder and you'll smell his aftershave, something like Old Spice or something. And that's what it brought me back to, that time when you're in your strong dad's arms at the time you think and you feel safe and comfortable. And that's what it felt like to me. Um, and those two instances of talking and seeing that there are people there for me changed my life showed I wasn't alone and showed I can be safe and for me that was the start of me getting back on track uh, I went to an organisation, my brother had called them, called Pieda House, which deals with people contemplating suicide and self-harm. And I wasn't doing it for me, I was doing it for my family, but eventually, thankfully, that twisted and I was doing it for me. You have to do things for yourself. Anything you do in life, you need to do it for yourself first. And if you're strong enough then, if you do it for yourself, if you're in a good place, whatever you do then, you can help others. But you have to, you're the core, you have to build yourself first. And I want to help a lot of people, I want to share my story and I want to work with people on various issues. But I know I have to be in a good place myself and I am there. And it's a battle and it's work and it's hard work. Like everything, it's hard work. But it's worth it, right? You're worth it. Um... So I've come a long way and I've changed my life and I've taken things out of my life that weren't working for me or people that weren't working for me or situations that weren't working for me or I've stopped working in areas that I didn't want to be and I've started to focus more on my passions. I started to develop tools that would help me manage my depression, my anxiety, my suicidal thoughts. So I, I really went creative, I think. I went to did improv comedy. And the biggest thing I took from that was yes and. And yes and is that I'm open to doing anything, different things. 
I don't say no all the time anymore and, and, and keep myself in a cupboard and, and protect myself. When I know that's where I don't want to be, I say yes and. Because you never regret the things you do. You always regret the things you don't do. And I can always say no at a later stage after trying something. So I wanted to live. And I decided that if I'm going to live, I'm going to live life my way. And I know it's going to be difficult and whatever, but I'm going to try it. So I started doing acting classes. I started doing writing. I started uh, uh, looking to become an ambassador for mental health. I stopped my law studies. I cut back my fitness business. And I started to look at where I needed to be. I cut things back in order to get myself back on track and then I would be able to build on that. And that was my goal. I want my life to be built on memories and moments with family and friends and to carry those with me. And they will fuel my passions for work and for, for, for play and for travel. Um, and I decided I really wanted to work and give back in the area of mental health. And to show people, and I know there's many of us out there that are struggling from day to day. But you can change that. You can get that hug to from some, someone else, you know, that will show that you are safe. But whatever your situation is, you can change it. So on that day that changed my life on the 14th of April, I talked, right? And I said, I went away and I felt, oh, I'm fine, I'm perfect. Uh, how misguided was I? Because you have to continuously talk. You have to continuously tell people how you're feeling. It's not easy to do that, to communicate that. So you might have to scream or shout or punch a boxing bag or something. But let someone know how you're feeling. I remember that day I talked, and I talked then to other family members. A week or two down the line, I remember my brother asking me, hey, how are you, all how are you doing? How are you holding up? How are things going? As he constantly would have for the two weeks preceding that. But, and I remember it was a morning and I said, oh, yeah, I'm great. I'm fine. Perfect, you know? And I was in shit. I was in total shit, down the shits again for a couple of days. I'd been in bed. And I still couldn't talk. I had talked once and I felt I had used up all my credit. I couldn't bother people again with my issues. People don't want to be listening to my crap. And again, I felt so alone. I felt that nothing would change and I was going back to the same cycle instead of talking again and keep on talking till you're blue in the face. Because believe me, don't you think your family and friends would rather hear what's on your mind and be able to maybe just be there as an ear or support in some way, rather than you've gone and they not getting the opportunity to help you at all. At all. Don't they deserve that chance? Don't you deserve that chance? I believe that now. I didn't for many years. So, you know, I had the days where I wanted to give up. I just wanted to go. I had the bad days. I had the days where... 
I'd go to bed for three days, I would lock myself away, I would put the phone, turn off the phone because it felt like it was invading my privacy. Um, I would put music headphones on so I didn't have to hear sounds outside. I was in darkness. I liked the fact that nobody knew where I was or wasn't around. It felt that I was cut off and that I, I had no pressures. But of course, everything is building out. Life is going on, building out. So if you've worked, it's building up. It's going to be there for you. If you, you know, everything's going to be waiting for you when you come back. So if you're, what you're doing by locking yourself away isn't helping. It's maybe sorting some issues out, but it's not helping you in the long run. You need to talk. You need to face it. And I know how hard that is. To battle those thoughts in your head, those cutting thoughts in your head. You know, and I still, to this day, not as bad anymore because I'm able to manage stuff and be productive, but I still get those times where you're, walk, you're progressing, you're taking one, uh, one step forward, but two steps back. One step forward, two steps back. Seems like you're getting ahead and you're dragged back. Seems like you're not meant to get ahead. It's just the way it is. You settle for that. Don't settle. seemed to me as if I had this block of getting past 70% in work and in, in sport and whatever that I get to a certain level then I'd stop you know that I couldn't push myself beyond that maybe I wasn't supposed to and I never achieved and that all this kind of fed into to my situation you know I don't know, you may think I was selfish for wanting to go, not be here, regardless of my family. You know, I have a beautiful family. I have a mom that gave up everything for us to work hard for us. I have a great, great sister-in-law, brothers that would do anything for me, and beautiful nieces and nephews that, you know, I remember when my niece I saw her for the first time and I was just mesmerized. Uh, she's 19 now and I just was wow. And I made a promise to myself that day that I was going to be an uncle where I was going to be involved in their lives and create memories and moments with them. Um, yeah, and at times I think, why was I so weak? Why did I think like this? You know, why can't I be as strong as other people? Physically, I'm strong enough. And people would look at me and say, oh, this guy's strong, he's an athlete. But no, I, inside I wasn't. And mentally strong, no. I felt like a failure as a son or as a, as a brother, as an uncle, letting people down. What a sort of example was I to my nieces and nephews? And I did have great role models around me. You know, my mother, my brother... I even look at my niece who's 19 now. She inspires me. She's incredible. She does everything well and she has a good time still. And she deserves everything she gets because she works hard. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I was so insecure. I lacked lots of confidence and the inside seemed like I had loads of confidence in the outside. I questioned myself all the time. I was very hard on myself. I never patted myself on the back. You know, simple things like, 
uh, when I was, uh, say, I remember being in primary school, so you're there till you're 12, and the teacher would ask a maths problem or an English problem or something, and I would get the answer in my head, but I would say to myself, you can't, that can't be the answer, that was too quick, that was too easy. So I'd never put up my hand, and then someone else would put up their hand, and they would have the same answer, and they would get it right, and whatever. I never had the confidence. Always doubted myself. Never believed I should be there. I did law and I never believed I should be doing law. I didn't think I was good enough. And with life, I didn't believe I should be here. I just believed it. It wasn't for me. I thought I tried everything and it wasn't for me. And I felt I had nothing left to give, to try. And that it was time to go. It was time to close my eyes to the world. And you know the biggest thing I realise, and I think we all would like to be able to do it, I was trying to do it all on my own. I was trying to do it all on my own. I realised I was trying to do everything, you know, alone. I, I felt I had reached out there once and I couldn't do it again. I couldn't reach out for any more support, you know, I'd... I'd given him my go out of, get out of jail card. Everything I was doing, I was overcomplicating, making more difficult, be it in business, training, life, losing weight, getting in shape. Everything was overcomplicated, difficult, overthought, and I'd give up. That day that I talked, it did change my life. My eyes were opened. You know, you have people that love you, but sometimes we don't realize it, maybe. I had people that loved me and wanted to help me. You know, sharing that story, as I said, lifted the weight. The hope of my brother gave me that feeling of being safe. The feeling of not having to do this alone. We don't have to do this alone. There are people there for you. Whatever it is, whatever your struggle is, there are people there for you. I'm there for you. So what I decided to do is I started to learn about myself. And I believe this. I believe we should, need to, should learn something new about ourselves every day. We can never stop learning about ourselves. That's the beauty about life. We're exposed to different things and we learn about ourselves in different situations. And I learned what steps I needed to take in order to get myself back on track. Not control my situation because I, I think if you try to control things and there's a day you can't control it, what do you do then? But manage it. Manage my days. Manage my uh, mental health disorders. Manage my life. And I realized, you know, I could succeed. I could talk, I could share, I can look for further supports. You know, life, people say life is hard and I always did. Life is hard when you're doing it alone. If you have support, if you have people around you, 
those interactions that we should have during life, it can make it a lot easier. So I wanted to be a support to people, so I released my blog. But first of all, I had to make sure if I was in a good place. <coughs> Excuse me. And I released my blog. It's neilkelders.com. And I released my story. To share with others what I went through. And man, I remember that night. <laughs> I typed up the story, the blog. I put it live and I couldn't sleep. I was there, oh, I need to take it down. And you know when you put things on the internet, you ain't taking them down. I wanted to take it down. I wanted to take it down. I was there, oh, people are going to be talking about me. Oh my God, oh Jesus, what's this? And the last thing you want when you're suffering from a low period or anxiety is people to focus on you. <laughs> and yet I released the blog. And to my surprise, the amount of comments around the world I got was incredible support then people started telling me what they were going through people that I knew when I was younger were going through the same same stuff I was same issues for me just sharing it gave others the confidence to do it it was incredible feeling incredible feeling I wasn't alone like that either. There were other people that were going through the same shit. Maybe not as bad, maybe just as bad, but going through issues, maybe not as long, but going through their issues. I wanted to get more into the area and I've, I've become a mental health ambassador for two organizations in Ireland. And that has allowed me now speak at conferences, workplaces, schools, colleges, and has allowed me to build up, build up even more confidence. Um, and I work, I've worked on some amazing projects as well with them. Um, uh, Look Beyond, where we took photos and tried to express what the pressure and anxiety meant to us through photographs so people could get an idea. And that's the biggest thing for me is a lot of the information I want to do or talk, talking about, chat about, is I want to give people that experience of what it's like to have depression and anxiety. So those of us that suffer know what it's like to go through it. Those that don't, they won't understand and you won't understand what, it, they won't understand what it's about. And you're not supposed to understand, don't worry about that because I still don't understand what it's about. But just be there for people know what they do go through and be there. So, as I said to you, I'm, I'm living my life the way I want. I've cut everything back. I looked at things and looked at what worked for me, what structures and supports would help me. I had a fitness business and I cut that back and even though I had a fitness business, my weight fluctuated at times, my fitness fluctuated. Um, I was a great motivator and inspiration, inspiration, as I was told for others, but yet I couldn't do it for myself. And I know how important exercise is. 
And I know I need to exercise in the mornings because I get lazier in the day and I get up early. So I've slotted exercise in as part of my day. It's like a, it's like a meeting. I exercise in the mornings. I'm a big believer not in time of exercise. 30 minutes is my max. I don't go to a gym. I do it in the studio. I do it at home. I hate gyms even though I'm a trainer. I hate gyms. <laughs> Just not my scene. I prefer to do crazy stuff, jumping up walls, do different things like that. And the exercise really helps me set up my day. I knew then eventually when I was ready, I wasn't ready straight away, I knew I needed to do a form of meditation. I needed to settle my mind. And I looked into mindfulness, um, I looked into many things, and I picked one, I picked Transcendental Meditation, TM, and for me it's been amazing. Um, I'll do a podcast on that sometime, but I meditate first thing in the morning, the last, uh, well, not last thing, about six, seven in the evening, 20 minutes both times, and I can't wait to do it. It's incredible. It just allows me to calm my mind, and it's like it expands my brain. It's crazy. It, it's good. It's really good. I make sure I plan every week. So I'm not overwhelmed. And I only pick three things. Warren Buffett said pick three things to do every week. So I do three things, pick three things to get done every week. And every day I pick three things in order to achieve whatever I need to achieve at the end of the week. I don't overcomplicate it. I make sure I have fun every day. And fun could be sitting down if I were drinking coffee, having a cup of coffee, going for a walk with my nieces or nephews doing something fun because we get caught up in life and we don't have fun. So I'm doing a lot of things. I've made a lot of changes. You might say it's not so easy, but it's not. But I, I had to find out what was more important and my life was more important than anything else at that moment in time. So now I'm lucky enough that I incorporate my personal experiences and my passions and my professional experiences into a new area, new business, RIP movement. Refocus and inspire people's movement. Make, create a movement. I want to help as many people as possible through their struggles, through their issues. And you can relate to my story. Not necessarily have the pressure and anxiety, but you can relate to where I'm coming from. I want to develop programs that will allow you to start getting back on track on your own at home alone if you don't feel you're ready to speak to someone. Because at the end of the day, you need to accept what you have. And at the end of the day, it's down to us to make the change, the ultimate change. I can have all these supports, all these tools. That's great. But they won't be as effective if I don't work in the core and the core is me. Accept what I have. Take action to change and it's so bloody difficult. Trust me, it is so bloody difficult. Every day is difficult. But it gets easier and it's bloody worthwhile. So I want to develop programs where I can get you started online and we can create a support system. Now I've worked with a lot of clients with a lot of issues and biggest thing is 
we need to just simplify everything. We overcomplicate things. We've got to stay in the moment as well. We hear that all the time. Let the past go, learn from it. Stop thinking of too much into the future. Get on with what you have to do today. Because time is going fast. The programs that I will be releasing online have helped me get my life back on track, helped my clients get, my back, on, uh, get back on track. And allowed me to be productive. So if I have a low period now, the biggest change is that I'm productive. I can still keep going, whereas before I wasn't, I was shut down. If I had a low period or anxiety kicked in, my days were gone. Don't know how for, long, for how long. Can I ask you a question? Do you give yourself a pat on the back? If you do something good, do you give yourself a pat on the back? If not, why not? In Ireland, we tend to shy away from that. I think in American places, you're, you're a lot better at that. Praising yourself if you do well. Why not? You put in the work, pat yourself on the back. I never did. I was always embarrassed, and a lot of us can relate to that. I always focused on the things I didn't do well. Oh, I ran 20 kilometers, uh, but I stopped for two seconds on the 18th kilometer. I will pick out the negative. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Why? Like, I, I, the majority of the time I was going, well, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Why are we so hard on ourselves? I was so hard on myself. I constantly had to fight those negative thoughts. I had to dig deep and battle against them. Because if I didn't, they would get on top of me. I suppose I did constantly worry how others viewed me, what their thoughts were. So I had a battle on my hands. I suppose I did become frustrated with myself. Frustrated that I had let so many years go by without talking and, and to being where I am now, only getting my life really into gear where I want to go. And I have to accept where I am at because this is where I am at. And that's the only way I'll be able to move forward with my life. I got to push the frustration to the side. and build on what I'm doing and realize that I will reach my goals. In the area of mental health and physical health, I'm quite frustrated as well. I think the main reason why I'm still here is because I took responsibility into my own hands. I worked hard and took action to get myself back on track. That's not to say don't, don't use supports now. Do. Of course do. But do so with the mindset that you know where you're at, why you're doing it, and that you want to succeed and that you will succeed. You know, I've found my voice now. I'm confident. I know how to talk about my situation to many people. I know how to share it with 
kids, with teenagers, with adults, with grandparents, so that we will relate to them. And since revealing and since talking about my anxiety depression, my life has changed and I'm living my way. You know, I've written articles, I've appeared on radio, talked about my journey. Um, I, love doing, I love writing, I love speaking publicly about um, my ideas around mental health and physical activity physical health uh, I've definitely grown in confidence I've challenged my insecurities and I challenge them every day and I learn about myself I now step outside my laptop and my, my microphone and I, I have a face and I talk about what I had to deal with And I talk about how, speak about how I manage my depression, my anxiety, while still being productive. Yeah, I get my ups and downs. I still get my lows in my eyes. Not as bad, but that's because of the work I put in. Am I glad now that I've done that? Without question. Without question. There is so much to do in this life. And I got to get going. I got to get doing it. And I want people to be able to follow in those footsteps, in their own footsteps, to get back on track, get their, back, their lives back on track. And it's worth it. You know, letting my family in and friends into my situation, my relationships have blossomed. You know, I'm able to listen to other people's stories. I know I wasn't selfish that I wanted to take my own life, that I didn't want to be here. I know that there are people there if I ask for help, that they will help me. And I know where I am now, the journey I've been on, it had to start with me. It had to start with me accepting what I had, where I was at. And sometimes you just gotta stop in order to accept. You gotta stop because all that noise, all the negative thoughts, all the outside influences, everything, you just gotta stop. Stop. Then accept. And only then can you really address what you're going through. And it's trial and error. It's a learning process. But you get there. And now, for the first time in my life, I feel I belong. I belong in this world. I belong in this life. We all do. So don't overcomplicate everything. Don't try to do a hundred things at once. Don't put yourself down.
know that you can change your situation. Know that you can manage it. And know that you can live a full life. You know? So, <laughs> sorry about that. I've gone on for quite a bit of time. Um, I hope that's given you a bit of insight into where I've come from and where I'm going. And I'm excited about this. Like, I'm excited about this for the first time taking back, as I said, I don't like control, but I, so I will use control for this. I'm taking back my life into my hands and knowing where I want to go with it. And I've changed everything. My living situations, my, my um, status, my uh, location, my work. It's not easy, but I did it because I knew it was important. And they were things that were, were adding to my anxiety, adding to my depression. And trust me, when I was at my lowest, you know, when you're at your lowest and you, you're lost and you don't know what you're doing, you think there's no way out, you never see you'd be in a situation where there is a way out, where, where you can live life, where you can you know, be going in the opposite direction to people, but it feels right. So, I'm excited for my new project, Rip Movement. And I'm excited to be sharing my podcast with you. And again, thank you for listening. I hope you can understand my accent. Um, and if you, I'd love to hear your comments on this. And if you've any, ever any questions, let me know. Um, I want this to be not just me talk, speaking all the time. I'd love to have people on, have interviews, um, sharing our experiences and build a community. And let's do this together. And again, thank you very much for taking the time. Do leave comments. And if you have any questions, contact me at any time at neil at ripmovement.com or help at ripmovement.com. And uh, thanks for listening to my first ever podcast. Talk to you later. Bye.